0: Well, hello, Annabelle Crab. Well, hello. Now, um, you very kindly a few weeks ago brought me some soup around, which was absolutely scrumptious. And in return for your extreme generosity, I'm just basically using you as a guinea pig for something which could be really dreadful.
1: Well, squeak. I'm (laughs) more than ready to be. Today, I um, made roast pork for my entire family. Mm. Um, That's that's a very generous act because you wouldn't have eaten any of yourself. that's right. So I've hurt my back, and um, I, uh, I seem to remember the last time I hurt my back, I made roast pork as well. It's obviously obviously like a weird, <laughs> like, why, why would I even do that? I don't know. I've got absolutely no idea. But as a result, of course, I've eaten nothing. <laughs> <It's a bit laughs> oh, okay. Oh, four. well, maybe this might so, taste better to you than hope. Look, this is a soup
0: that I got from... You know how when you go to Coles, they have the free magazine?
1: Hey, I don't mind that mag.
0: I don't mind it either. They have some good stuff in there sometimes. Now, this is a soup that... It's cauliflower, blue cheese and pear. Yum. Do you think it'll be all right? Yep. Because I really like pear things.
1: And also I can see that you've got a salesy-esque perfect mise en place of some crisped sage.
0: I do. And, and, uh, some, yeah, and, uh, and toasted hazelnuts. Oh, hazelnuts. Toasted hazelnuts for on top. Look, I just I, I like cauliflower. I like pear and I like blue cheese. Yep. I just was a bit worried it might end up tasting like sort of melted bit dip blue. or something. Yeah, a bit, a bit blue. A bit
1: blue. Yeah. A bit like we've been transported back to the 1970s. So it's
0: basically just um, some onion, garlic and fennel seeds that you um, saute. Then mm. you whack in a bit of dry white wine. Then you put in some a whole head of cauliflower, some stock and some water. And mm-hmm. then you just boil it to buggery and then, then zhuzh it up. you in
1: a bit of... So you put the cheese in last. Yeah.
0: So you put the blue cheese and the and some sour cream in at the end, and then I've toasted up some um, sage leaves and some toasted hazelnut. looking
1: sage leaf.
0: Yeah, they're good, aren't they? They were just um, nice and plump. Are they they from your garden? Uh, No, they're not actually. I don't grow sage. a slag.
1: And All right, take I'm going to take a photo picture because they're the... such good-looking um, sage leaves.
0: And then I've just got a little bit of diced pear going on top as well. Oh. So look, who knows how it's going to taste. But I figured if I can't experiment on you,
1: on whom can I experiment? You had me out, hello. Um, hey, uh, I just caught a ref- uh, glimpse of my own reflection and nearly... Passed out from fright. <laughs> as a condition of being allowed out of the house, I had to allow my small daughters to style my hair. And when you walked in, my children who were in their beds,
0: basically I gave them the, get in your beds or I'm not letting her inside. And they were so excited that you were coming over that they instantly got in their beds, which was excellent. Um, and as soon as the three-year-old saw you, he went, Annabelle cried. you've got funny hair.
1: I do have funny hair. I've got high ponytails and I've got many... Uh, colourful clips. I look like Auntie Jack, pretty much. Look, I do. You know do. <laughs> I actually <started laughs> I look down. exactly like Auntie Jack. You do. Jesus. Uh, do you like my manners that I didn't comment on it at all? Because I wasn't you sure. You are it was... spectacularly well brought up. You're like, is this crabs new look that she's like edging into her mid-40s? She's now starting to mess around. He, okay. Here's a sound we both like. Oh, this happened last time, didn't What's that expression that um, a champagne cork should sound like the sigh of a contented woman? <laughs> Sounds like a really, really pissed-off woman who needs a drink. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to sound like. Oh! oh there you go. Lovely.
0: Oh. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, no, it's Sorry. frothing everywhere. Oh, oh dear, dear, dear. Not
1: very well. good.
0: Hey, now, listen, I was wondering if we should give a... Um, Spoiler alert! Warning. Just because I did a the Sydney Writers Festival podcast, we'll uh, put up at some point. Yeah, I did a gigantic spoiler in it for S Town oh, to the much to the, the audience's greatest. outrage. Oh my
1: god! It was actually it was worse than Dickens. It I was think. on a par, it was wasn't WTD. it? The, the whole room just went. Ah! So the, she's asked a question about. Oh no, she's talking about S Town, and. Somehow, in the midst of this discussion, she just gives away this massive plot twist. It's <laughs> the greatest planner ever, and you can I <laughs> just. Oh no! It was the yeah. audience. Didn't oh, there was like, a bit well, of the audience picked it up a little bit. Um, should, just try one of these
0: should we should we give a spoiler alert for this, or are we going to what? like? Are we going to assume that if you're going to listen to us, a... oh, because we're watching The Americans tonight, yeah, episode one of the new season of Americans. Should we assume that anyone who's going to listen to an episode about the sorry, listen to a Chat 10 episode about the new episode of The Americans will have seen all of The Americans. Because um, is it going to be hard to talk about it without assuming that people know where things are up to? I think, to be
1: fair... Do you like your bread toasted or plain? Toasted? Oh yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you... I think that maybe when we get around to chatting after, over it, like yeah. I love that you're pre-fretting about this, I respect <laughs> that just makes me think you don't have enough to worry about. Um, but um, I think when we come to discuss it, yeah. we'll just do a big bling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. If there's going to be a spoiler. Yeah. And then tell people to skip forward or something. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Can I do a shout-out while yeah? we're just talking about food things? Mm-hmm. So when we did our Sydney Writers Festival thing the other day, and I was due... Uh, Disconcertingly, soon after the end of oh, that yeah. session, cheers, cheers, um, at Homebush at the netball to watch the netball. That is a live sporting event. That's correct. <laughs> there is not an error in transmission. I was attending a live sporting event with my family. Anyway, I was already in a bit of like low-level trouble for you know, not finishing at Sydney Writers Festival until five thirty, and then because the game was like starting at five, and there are two games, but I mean. Come on, hurry up. <laughs> so I was a bit like, well, I'll just, I'll just wander out of the Ros Packer Theatre and I'll dander around to uh, Circular Quay Key and I will catch a train to Homebush. Easy. Until we got out after the session and the lengthy signing afterwards and realised that place was a car park because of mm-hmm. Vivid, right? And so, there's not a cab to be seen. Nope. And, yep. So I'm sitting there kind of fretting to you about this. Oh, no, how am I going to get there? And this very nice accountant yes. who was hanging around nearby who had been to the session said, hey, I've got a car. Uh, I'll drive you to Wynyard Station. I'm like, beauty. So I jumped into the car. I was a little concerned, I might add. She seemed very nice, but she I had mad it, eyes, though, didn't I, you?
0: <laughs> I thought, oh, man, this could be... i have just let you get into a car with a total stranger.
1: Anyway, it was. Anyway, I was so. then Googling her, but yeah. Yeah. So halfway to Wynyard... Um, my driver, who um, was with her partner and her mum, just says, "So we're taking you all the way to Homebush." I said, "Oh, don't be ridiculous! I no, you're too kind. You can't do that. You must be incredibly out of your way. Where do you live?" And she says, "Homebush Heights."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like,
1: oh, "I'm pretty oh sure you're God, lying." So nice. Anyway, she was lying. She didn't live anywhere near there at all. But I had the nicest ride with these yeah, ladies, so... and it was so kind of them. And the other great kindness that then became apparent was that somebody in the signing line after the um, Sydney Writers Festival session had presented to me, or you, I think, this box. And this person said, oh, I made you a salad. It's a salmon salad. I'm like, what? Whoa, that's a bit random. Anyway, um, I get to the netball conveyed there by these lovely ladies. And I'm starving, and the only thing to eat at Homebush is like deep fried chicken giblets or something yeah. like, that I'm not interested <laughs> in. I'm just thinking, I don't want to eat anything in this whole area. And then I think, hang on a minute, I've got this salad. And I managed to like stare down the security person who patted me down and said, what's that? And I said, oh. it's a salad. <laughs> Actually, because she'd wrapped it pretty elaborately. So it yeah, probably did look a little bit like a bomb. It was beautifully wrapped. Yeah. In sort of gaffer tape. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I sat up there in the nosebleed seats watching, you know, the Thunderbirds. And um, I ate this salad. It was the it was the greatest salad I've ever eaten. Before. Wow. Kate not is what the was it? Of that salad. Okay. So... It had um, a container that was packed inside this sort of um, uh, refrigerated little baggie that this woman had made. Yeah. It, down the bottom it had a frozen um, kitchen sponge acting as an ice pack and then um, that was full of um, peas, edamame beans, um, spinach, green beans, blanched, just a festival of delicious fresh greens, and then there was a little greaseproof paper package thoughtfully packed on top that had some uh, flaked hot smoked salmon, one of my favourite things ever. And then, and this is the the crowning glory of it, there was this little jar of what looked like a sort of green goddess dressing, Mm. so I scraped that all over it and munched it all up, and it was oh my god it was seriously delicious so i sent this panicked tweet out saying god who gave me this salad it's the greatest salad ever and um the dressing is made of um creme fraiche and a whole cup of peas so Mm -hmm. so oh yum so bright green oh yeah and it had some herbs in it um I reproduced it the next day and made it for my whole production crew. Oh, um, she wow. used a, um, a half a preserved lemon rind in hers. I oh, did not have any yum. preserved lemon on me, so I just used lemon zest, and I put a little bit of um, horseradish in it too—a bit of horseradish oh, cream, just to give it a bit. Of
0: oh, that sounds beautiful. And
1: um, it was, oh my god. So delicious. Um, so thank you, Kate. Not
0: and thank you, yeah, other awesome. people also baked for us when we and um, was brought to us by. They dropped it at the front desk and stuff. So we got oh, some beautiful no. stuff to eat. And can I also just apologise to people who came back to get um, crab to sign books and to say hello to us because I knew that you were sort of yeah, the you children, told children were waiting. Me out of there. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the cho- I knew that the children were waiting for you and the queue was so massive. I was trying to be a bit of a bit bad cop to try to just hustle people along as quickly as possible, even though we know that you guys really enjoy a chance to get to chat to us. So I felt really bad, but there was sort of no way around it just because you had to go. So next year, or well, next time we're doing something, we'll try to build in a bit of an extra hour or something at the end so we have a little bit more time. So if you thought that I was being a rude bitch... It's you were. i nice.
1: yes. um, we doing that for the whole session, actually. <laughs> it's just like cutting me off. And...
0: I, I did... Um, Amble around to Circular Quay because I was meeting my friends, George and Derek, we got the ferry um, from Circular Quay to Darling Harbour so we could see Vivid from the ferry, which I think is the best way to do it. Yeah, right. It was fantastic, although it took three ferries going through. so I'm just going to have a try of this soup while you're talking. Vivid Vivid peeps need to get the ferry system better organised because what happens is the ferry arrives, people rush onto it. Um, The people who have children or poor mobility get... They can't move fast enough to get on. So they miss that ferry. They close it because they go, it's full. And then oh they go, the next ferry goes no. from the other side. And then the people oh with no. children and poor mobility get to the end of the queue at the other side. Oh then shit. the door slams their face again. So we didn't even have children or poor mobility at this um, on this night. And my friends, me and George and Derek, took three ferries for us to be able to muscle oh our way on. No so way. it was a little bit annoying. But um, <laughs> we are standing waiting for George and Derek to arrive. This... Um, God, this soup is so good by the way. Is oh it? my God, oh, it's a delicious. Si- I'll try and say. Um, a guy who <laughs> seemed like he'd had a few drinks and he passed me and went, Hey, Lee Stiles, chat 10, looks 9. <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> there you go, you've scored. Feeling pretty happy about yourself <laughs> after that. Um, okay, well, let's, why don't we eat our
1: soup? Oh, so what's your vetican on the soup? It's all right? Oh, I love it. Hang on, let me try it. Anything that's got that sort of sweet, salty thing going on is a is a hit with me. Also, like oh. cauliflower. Jesus, a good vegetable. It's mm. so good. Have It's you quite ever done delicate the whole... tasting. It is. Delicious. i surprised, yeah. Have you ever done the whole roasting an entire cauliflower stunt? Oh, it's –
0: I think I've talked about it on the podcast and described it as – I think I said something like you could pretty much roast anything in olive oil, salt, pepper at 200 and mm. you could do your thongs and they taste good, but roasted cauliflower <laughs> particularly tastes good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, well, we're going to watch The Americans and then we'll come back. All right. All righty. Hopefully I won't have a mouthful about it. But... It's rock and roll.
1: Okay, we're recording oh, again. God. Let me top God. you up first. That show, honestly,
0: it's like a workout. Oh, the tension is just, you know, I'm exhausted. Ah, oh, sorry, I keep... Oh, the... oh God. My God. I've got to pause. I've tipped you on the frothing, counter. I'm frothing, darling.
1: On. I'm frothing. Hang on. Christ, you right there, it. love? <laughs> Christ, is But the record show that she it's spent the trick. intervening 30 seconds just sort of zooming around, mopping up, <laughs> frothing champagne. So that show, the thing is, it's reached a point now where my stress levels and anxiety levels are pretty much maxed out, yeah. even when nothing is happening. I agree because yeah. the the growth of the nothingness at any given point is in sort of direct proportion to the horror that follows the nothingness like this. The only reason there's ever nothing happening is because something just vile is about to happen. And
0: I think I've said to you before, um, the feeling of impending doom that sort of lurks over just about every character is... um, And, you know, by now, of course... What was this season five? I'm pretty attached to all this is of them. Season five, yeah. I'm pretty attached to Stan. I'm pretty attached to Philip and Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, and so now, pretty much every time I see Stan, I go into this sort of fit of anxiety thinking, oh, can you imagine what's going to happen to Stan if he ever discovers that? Because even if they're victorious and they arrested Philip and Elizabeth, yes. just for him it'll be the, oh my God, these people were
1: my neighbours the entire time. What sort of a rube am I? And yeah, their families are incredibly closely entwined. And I think now is the moment to say, if you're only up to season one or two or something, then go and make yourself a cup of tea right now. Definitely. Um, just in case yeah. we inadvertently say something that... Because um... you love a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> As I think we were the, the action <coughs> resumes in this series with Phil Elizabeth with a completely new kid in the house. Now, I'm a bit dense. So I'm like, who's that new kid living in the house? There's well, a new young man I, who's kind of acting to all intents and purposes like their kid. And I'm thinking, is this like one of those, is this like Roseanne where like between series suddenly <laughs> Becky is played by a different actor? The part of Which Henry is, will now be played by Shane Warne. That's what I was thinking. No, I... I I'm an idiot.
0: I, Asian Shane Warne too. Asian, yeah. And a young Vietnamese boy. I... Um, I felt like it was confusing, but I also felt like because it was the start of a new season and yeah. they were dressed as an airline pilot and a stewardess, <laughs> yeah. I felt like, okay, they're in some sort of deep cover now, but what, does this kid actually yeah. think that they're his parents or are they... So, But I think it's the mark of a good show that I was willing to think, all right, I'm completely confused. I don't know what's going on yeah. here, but I'm trusting that you are going to... Unfold this for me and that I will be able to follow what's going on shortly. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I was thinking about the fact that their name, the characters' names are Philip and Elizabeth. So yeah. that those are names that the KGB would have sh- chosen for them yeah. to be under deep cover in the United States. Yeah. Why, why have they never been cho- uh, shortened to Phil or Liz or, or Beth or something? Yeah. Like, that's got to be a decision, right, that they're always going to be known as Philip and Elizabeth.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. Good point. Never thought about that before. Where's this going? I don't,
0: <laughs> I don't know. But I, I just was thinking about it. Thinking, is that a sort of,
1: is
0: is that a tell that like somebody who actually was raised in America would now be called hmm. you know, Phil or, or Pip or yeah. Lizzie or something? Like I don't know. Yeah. I'm sort of just look I, Sometimes I look at them. Like there's a scene in this where they're going to dinner at the parents. So the, the fake child, the Vietnamese boy, they go to dinner at the house of some parents of a kid that they're a fake. Russian kid a, a Russian kid. A Russian kid. Their
1: fake kid is befriending. Exactly. And the way that fake kid is talking to them makes me, well, he's clearly an agent, right? He's yeah. An agent posing as their adopted kid. Yeah. Now, I have not got round to finding out what Philip Elizabeth's actual kids think of this Vietnamese blow-in, but, you know. Oh, they're in a different house.
0: I think they're in a different house. He doesn't live in the same house. Ah, right. I think that's a totally different fake. God, so they're just, yeah, that's a totally different house, isn't it? So, yeah, so he doesn't think Thank God they're... one of us is
1: a trained observer.
0: <laughs> I don't think that that kid even knows that they're Philip and Elizabeth. They're probably called something different to him. He probably thinks they are
1: actually airline pilots. Because they're away all the time and he's there by himself. Oh, my God. Um, Can I share? Like, those people just need one more layer of complication in their lives. Oh, man. It's just...
0: Um, can I just share, actually, because none of this will be spoilers, just a bit of gossip about various characters. Yeah. So you know that they're now a couple in real life, Philip and Elizabeth. I had been told that by you before, and I'm appropriately scandalised. <laughs> and they had a baby between seasons. Get out! So she was, in fact, pregnant during the last season. So there was a lot really? of – if you watch the previous season, there's a lot of her folding laundry, because you have the laundry room downstairs is the secret mm. sort of bunker room. There's a lot of her behind laundry Bit baskets. her wearing, like, really racy lingerie than usual. <laughs> There's a lot of her inside the house wearing overcoats. Yeah, right. Once you, Once you become aware of it, it's sort of obvious. But they did do an incredible job hiding it. Um, but every now and again, if you're looking for it, you can see it. Um, so anyway, they've now had a baby, so she's now back to the racy lingerie. Um You know, one of my favourite characters is Frank Langella's character, which is Gabriel, their handler. Yeah, yeah. He's fabulous. He's incredible. Somebody Mm. on Twitter sent me a thing. I haven't downloaded it yet, but he wrote a memoir because he's been an actor in Hollywood for a long, long time. Um, And they said you should read this because it ticks all of your own crabs boxes, which is it's extremely indiscreet. Mm -hmm. And he just tells heaps of tales about all sorts of people that he's worked with over the years. And he's a really great writer. Wow. So I had a quick look at it on Amazon and it did look fantastic, but I just haven't got around to
1: Oh, that's good news. Yeah.
0: So wrap your um wrap your hands onto that one. Um the other bit of good
1: gossip that I had was that you know Oleg who Oh, I love Oleg. Oh, do. You? Yeah. Okay. I mean I I'm I'm fascinated by him. I think he's absolutely so far from being resolved. Well, so he
0: if you, for some reason, he's never made that big an impact on me. So I wouldn't say, like, who would you
1: say are your favourite characters? Oh, well, I love Stan. I just, you know, I'm a bit, Stan, I'm hopelessly drawn to.
0: I loved Martha. I, I'm oh, really, I'm, Martha. I'm desperately hoping Martha somehow shows back up. Oh, um, I don't know that
1: Martha's coming back. I sort of. She was so Oh, that.
0: Stoic. Oh my God. That woman who acted her, I know I'm repeating myself from previous episodes, but you could have so easily made her a just pathetic sort of loser. Oh. And that actress and the writers imbued that woman with, oh my God, you just were so, had so much sympathy for her. She was fantastic. Um, she's probably easily my favourite. I do love Elizabeth though, I find her yeah. a fascinating
1: character. Imagine having her as your mother. God, so there's this uh, – and the issues between um, Elizabeth and her daughter are just spiralling every season. Uh. They're just out of control because there's not only some extremely well-established and well-justified trust issues going on there, but it's just – then there's the usual just mother-daughter stuff. Yeah. And they're drastically
0: different personalities. I mean, I, f- I find Paige, even though she's a teenage girl and so this comes a bit with the territory, I find her a gigantically annoying character and I think that she is potentially a
1: big problem. She's going to be a massive problem. But there's, it's so interesting that she, out of her uncertainty and her doubts about her parents and what they're doing... She went out and got involved with the church because she's sort of looking for some sort of moral constant in her life. Oh.
0: She's not – she's also – there's something about her that just makes me think she just
1: – she's well, going to no. kill them all in their, in their beds, I reckon. Because oh. um, I reckon the most astute thing that Elizabeth has spotted in her is that she does have the capacity for – being incredibly hardline. Paige. Yeah, and she's not there yet, but she's kind of spiralling around being an agent, I think. Um, She's interested in it. She's um, absolutely intrigued by what her parents are doing. There's this unbelievably full-on moment, I reckon in this um, episode that we just watched, where she confronts her parents and she says, like, I, I can't sleep. I keep thinking about that guy you killed in front of me. And then you look... Elizabeth's face is just blank. She can't even remember what Paige is talking about. Like, she can't remember. And then Paige sort of says, but, I mean, don't you think about it every night as well? Like, doesn't it haunt you? And Elizabeth's just like, which guy, which night? (laughs) Oh, God.
0: The depths of what Paige does not know about them is just unbelievable. And this is the way they keep... You think that the tension's so bad that they can't possibly tighten the screws any tighter, and yet they somehow do. Like, the fact that if there were any other character or person who – knew as much and was as loose as Paige yeah. around them, that person would be, be dead. And would be six feet
1: under already. Yeah.
0: And so the sta- you know they're not going to kill Paige, of course, but the stakes are just so high that, yeah. oh, man, that is just... Ugh. Anyway, I got off the track of Oleg, who I was going to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, so yeah, Oleg. So um, Oleg, who, if like me...
1: He's the son of the Russian minister who's been... Exactly.
0: Um, was sort of Nina's other lover, yeah. turned informant for Stan... Um Oleg is, or has, he's not Australian. He was born in Russia, then he was raised in New Zealand and then he came to Australia from university onwards. So he's... Get out. Let's claim him. He's basically Australian. So he's far left, basically. He's far up, exactly. Um, so I was told this by my friend. His name, The actor's name's uh, Costa Ronan. He was in Red Dog. He yeah, was in like East-West 101, which was in on, on SBS. Uh-huh. My friend, Monica Attard, told me this, who is, yes. as people would remember, one of the great uh, Russia correspondents for the ABC and speaks fluent Russian, and she loves the Americans. And so I love picking her brains about the Russian right, end okay. of it. yeah. And so she said, firstly, all of the actors are Russian. Mm. So she said the Russian is e- absolutely excellent. Lots of the cultural things are really ring true. Like they've done a heap of homework to have yeah. the Russian end completely authentic. And so she was the one who knew that this guy, because she'd researched all the Russian characters, mm. was actually had spent a lot of time in Australia, and he apparently had been huh. sort of looking around for work, and then he saw this ad for casting for the Americans that we want uh, actors to play Russians, but you have to be from a Russian background. Right. And he read it and he just thought, if I can't the get this... The only job
1: ad ever yeah. that was just absolutely tailor-made for me. <laughs>
0: exactly. He was like, well, I can't get this. I can't get anything. And so then, you know, he got it and he's great. He's fantastic. Um, yeah, I so, heard yeah. him
1: interviewed on one of those, like, alarming loser podcasts that you keep putting me on to where they... <laughs> Where the actors then, like, discuss each episode. I've only looked into a couple of them. But and I'll you heard him he on one of them. of them. Yeah, I did, yeah. Actually,
0: I must check. This surely they'd be doing – That's if you're interested, it's Slate, the Americans. Um, <laughs> they must be doing one for the current season, so I'll have to have a look now. I was thinking, actually um, – One of the first scenes is in a high school cafeteria and it's got some great 80s songs. I can't recall. It just made me think how great the soundtrack is to this. And one of the really great episodes of the Slate podcast on the Americans is with not – there's a lot of incidental 80s music but there's also the guy who's composed all of the actual themes for the characters, you know, including that sort of incredibly – tense and anxious theme music, yeah. um, and he talks about the use of music to create tension. It's a really um, a good one to listen to, well worth listening to.
1: Uh, well, I'm back in. I can't, you know, I'm just going to have to attach myself to this series now. I can't.
0: Is it, pl- is it pleasurable one... to
1: watch it? No, it's not. It's gone past the point of being, it's like a horrible <laughs> compulsion now. Yeah. It's, it's like self-harm. I mean, how is it going to end? Badly, obviously. I mean, like,
0: yeah, it's got to end. Badly. I can't believe
1: I'm now sitting here, rattled with anxiety, five series in, you know. I remember the blithe days we used to drive around, used to nag me to watch the Americans. <laughs> and now it's like being on ice or something, you know. I'm, not, I'm never satisfied, everything itches. <laughs> <laughs> really anxious. Well, I was you exactly- get choppers outside.
0: <laughs> I was actually thinking as I watched it how <laughs> grateful I am that I finally nagged you into doing God. it because now I can have this in-depth discussion yeah. which is probably about of no interest to anyone except... the
1: score of the thing. Oh, my oh God, God. We're not talking about the music. But if it ended...
0: Mm. Like, I also agree it's got to end really badly. It's got to end yeah. with complete oh. catastrophic doom. Um, if it didn't, if it ended with Philip and Elizabeth turning informant to Stan and Stan's a hero because he's brought in these big agents and then they get to go and live under deep cover in you know, Mm. Madison County, Mm. Wisconsin, or Iowa, I think that's actually. um, Would that... I think that would be dissatisfying.
1: It's also never going to happen. Because the strongest person in this series absolutely is Elizabeth. And that's... She'll never do that. She'll never do that. Mm. I remember you saying to me when you were describing this series to me that one of the things you liked about it was... That the the kind of ah oh, maybe I love the United States maybe we should just defect maybe you know we've made a great life here. So that Philip thinks. Guy, yeah. And then it's it's the woman who is just absolutely diamond hard and she is still like that. There's this scene in this first episode where they're dining with this Russian family. And of course, Philip and Elizabeth pretending they don't speak Russian. The <laughs> Russian couple are kind of like. Sledging each other in Russian (laughs) and they're going on about the husband's going on about how terrible Russia is and how you've got to queue up for everything, and there's you know uh, nothing in the shops and stuff. And Philip and Elizabeth are just pretending they don't understand. And of course, then the next scene, like two scenes along, is Philip and Elizabeth just pointlessly digging this hole. Like (laughs) it's sort of this series utilizes this sort of idea of Soviet pointlessness to mm. such a strong degree and yet the power of the series is such that I sat there and watched them dig a hole for 15 minutes well, you, you not just, knowing what was going on and it was still incredibly anxiety inducing. You
0: actually just made sense of that for me because I wondered as I was watching that because the hole digging takes a really really long time.
1: It's a time. Real exercise. And
0: again it had to have been a deliberate choice to make the hole digging scene take mm. so long and i did not know why, but now that you've pointed that out, I think, oh yeah, completely. Yeah. But do you not think that the way the narrative is driving us is to force Elizabeth at some point to make a choice between Paige
1: and the Motherland? Yeah, I do. I just think I know which you way think, she's going to oh, jump. God,
0: well, wow! I mean, like she's... Even out of even when it's the highest possible stakes. Oh my God! I You're probably right. Is.
1: I think, yeah. I think. Oh jeez. I don't know that this is going to be a kind of she woke up and it was all a dream type of scenario. Anyway, I don't know could be
0: wrong. Wow. I mean, look, I, I, I think it would be like, you know the film My Best Friend's Wedding? Yeah. Have you seen it? No. Okay, so. Oh,
1: yeah, I have. That's that kind of Cameron Diaz one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So
0: the basic plot is uh, Julia Roberts is best friends with this bloke.
1: It's very like the Americans, really. <laughs>
0: So, I'm going to pull it back around. I'm going to pull it back around. Um, they have got some sort of a deal that if they reach 30 and they've never gotten married that they'll marry each other because yes. they're such good mates. They're 29 and about to turn 30 or something. They catch Actually, up to their yearly yeah. lunch. <laughs> he says to her, guess what? I've met this girl. She's absolutely awesome. I'm getting married. And then for the rest of the film, Julie Roberts instantly realises, oh, no, I'm in love with you. The rest of the film, she tries to break them up with yeah. the help of her best friend, Rupert Everett. And, That's um, your interest in the film. And in the first, um, you know, uh, run of it, yeah. whatever you call it, first edit, yeah. um, it was directed by PJ Hogan, who did Nero's um It had a happy ending, which is sort of happy, which is that Julia Roberts, who's the staff, gets, the gets her way, gets yeah. the way. They played it to a focus group. The focus group hated it because she'd been so awful and devious and yeah. the Cameron Diaz character, who's the fiancé, had never done anything wrong. So in the second edit, they yeah. had to make it that she did not – get the guy, yeah. and the audience found it much more satisfying even though it's not yeah. a very Hollywood ending. Yeah. So I feel a little bit the same. Here's where I pull it back around. Here's yeah. where I bring it home. Um, I feel the same with the Americans even though I am very attached to all of the characters. If, if it doesn't end in tragedy, it would feel like they have yeah.
1: ripped me off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all being... Branded with hot irons while they're still alive, pretty much, and then buried. <laughs> do you the want? Red do casket. you want
0: the FBI to catch Philip and Elizabeth, or do? You, would you rather it result in death?
1: I just do not want them to catch Philip and Elizabeth. It's terrible. Um, I don't know who would I who would I sacrifice between Philip and Elizabeth and Stan? Oh, just that. Oh, Stan. He's lost so much. He's such a goober. <laughs> and you just sense he's going to lose again. Stan is, Stan is uh,
0: Stan's a loser. Stan's <sighs> always got to be losing. Yeah. If, if you're making Stan a winner, you're, you're violating the fundamental character of Stan. So Stan has to lose in some... Stan has yeah. to lose. But out of Philip and Elizabeth, I mean... Uh, Elizabeth, you're probably right, Elizabeth probably
1: does have to die. Or she has to kill everyone around her. Uh, is anyone still listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> it's been four hours, sales. So. <laughs> oh, my God. And the other thing is that <laughs> every time I laugh really hard, my back really my oh, back, you it's me. really me.
0: Like, it's really agony. Me clapping my hands then reminded me I stayed in a hotel in Canberra uh, recently, which is one of those really modern hotels that doesn't mm. have light switches. Yeah. It has other yeah. things. So you and have to clap or bark or something well, to turn the lights on? I couldn't. Work. I couldn't work anything out in the entire room so I had to um it was one of those rooms as well you know when you check into a hotel sometimes it's every light is on or they've got certain select lights that are on so I've tried you try to
1: go to bed you can't turn them off I couldn't off, that, turn yeah, them off
0: right. I couldn't work out how to pull the blind down on the turn window out. either the blind for the window I'm looking everywhere around the window it's next to the bed right but the lights so I've, I've tried every possible button I can then I'm standing in the middle of the room like an idiot going naked no, really? Yeah. And so then I had to ring the front desk and by then I was just boiling with a rage. I had to ring the front desk and say, I can't, how do I turn the lights off in this room? Um, And it was... We tried (laughs) clapping. There was a thing next to the bed, which was a dial, right? So like a dimmer switch. Yeah. But you had to push it in. What? Ah. Just. It's just like a horrible joke. Anyway, it was um, the whole thing was more fun. The
1: site the image of you nude. I'm going to make you nude in this version. <laughs> uh, nude in the middle of the room, clapping while furious with rage. <laughs> Twenty-nine minutes past nine. <laughs> I should be asleep by now. It's about
0: quarter to eleven, which
1: was adding to know, my age. I it's rage. getting late now too. I know that it's I, quarter I past ten. Get I know. Wow! So. Wow! This is well past your bedtime. <sighs> hey, um, um, just have we got anything else to discuss? I I, I mentioned that because I do. Oh um, wow.
0: <laughs> I, I just say that because we only recorded a podcast four days ago and yeah. I literally have nothing to say. But don't you love discuss.
1: how there's, there's this new profusion of podcasting now, that we're in the same city a lot of the time now. So all of a sudden we're doing all these podcasts. It's, and, just, it's a frenzy and of podcasting. The, 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 um, the mood's really changed too among the um, Chat 10 Look 3 crowd because – Are they like do it less? No, I'm not. No, there's just a bit of like a – there's a real kind of wow – Mummy and daddy are bringing home lollies every night. Like, does this mean they're getting a divorce? Like, what's happening? There's a bit of, wow. What does this mean? Kind of great, but also weird. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. So, <coughs> Sorry. yeah, we're getting kind of like rogue comments that aren't just like, will you pull your finger out and record another podcast? you are just like, what? Another one? Wow, already? Oh, yeah. okay, cool. That's um, good. But now I've been um, really just going in and out of work on the bus, listening to podcasts. Mm. And i really, in a big way, sunk back into the world of Richard Feidler. And I know that we just,
0: what? Just so weird that you should say that. Because as you said, I've been on the bus listening to podcasts. So I
1: thought, oh, I have listened to one thing. Richard Feidler. That yeah. is so weird that you would say mm. that. Anyway, carry on. They're really just, God, that man's awesome. And um, I've listened to two podcasts um, or two conversations of his since the Sydney Writers' Festival, I listened to um, George Saunders. Oh, yeah. Um, who was at the Sydney Writers' Festival. I saw him speak on the opening night and was once again conscious that despite the fact that everybody seems to agree that he's the finest writer in the world, I've never read anything that he's written. I tried to read that new book of his. Link the Leonardo. Bardo. Did, couldn't get into it. Wow, because it seems to be this sort of general, oh my God, well obviously it's Yeah, pure genius. Yeah. And I sort of looked at it and thought, oh, that really floats my boat. But then um, I listened to the conversation that Feidler did with him and now I think, oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read that next. I've got it. I've actually got it. So it would be remiss and uh, slack of me not to give it a shot. Um, And it's about, well, it's sort of based on this crippling grief that Abraham Lincoln was suffering from when he was, you know, unfortunately murdered, um, thereby making him one of the slightly less um, suffering presidents of the United States than the current incumbent, who of course is the most (laughs) (laughs) oppressed, including the four assassinated ones. Um, Anyway, uh, and um, he and his wife had lost their, well, their favourite kid. Out of all their kids, this one was the favourite, Willie and um, he died of typhoid or something or other. Um, anyway, so it's about this sort of secret grief um, afflicting Lincoln. I listened to... So
0: what made me listen to Richard was that I was uh, at the airport and I bumped into him. Oh, he right. was on the way home from uh, Sydney Writers Festival and I was right. on the way to Canberra. Yep. And... Um, I just thought, oh, I haven't listened to one of Fidler's podcasts for a while. So I picked one that was – I just l- tried to look it up then, but unfortunately I've already deleted it, so I can't tell you the title or the episode really number. you You
1: throw things out even from your – course. You are just <laughs> such a psycho. Right. Yep.
0: It was about um, chance encounters with another person and how they change right. your life or oh. define you. And so they'd gone through old episodes and picked, you know, it was maybe five vignettes that then made one episode. Oh, right. They were all just – riveting and fantastic. The one that sticks with me the most was um, a photographer called Douglas Kirkland who photographed Marilyn Monroe. Huh. And he talked about that experience. There was a woman who she and her husband were caught in that hotel in Mumbai when there was that terrorist attack on it and she talked about it, she and her husband oh. being stuck in the hotel room. Yep. And, but, I don't know, Richard's just got the most – there was a great one about a guy being – he was alone in a forest in Borneo in a, in a house that was shared with a monkey – and yeah. he was went to the bathroom. So pretty
1: standard yarn so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> went to the
0: bathroom one day. It was sitting on the crapper and the key to the bathroom was in the outside of the lock and the monkey turned it and locked him in and he was stuck in there for 14 hours. <laughs> he had to pull the pins out of the hinges of the door. His hands were like bleeding by the time he could get out of it. He thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to be found and then his obit was going to be, this was the clown who died in the toilet having been locked in there by his pet monkey. Um, anyway, they were all so... Should have seen elements of that coming, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they were all massively entertaining, but just, oh God, Richie Fon- Fidler's manner, the man is so smart, but not for one second do you ever feel like he's trying to make you
1: notice how smart he is. And you can tell in this exchange that he has with George Saunders, one, that Saunders is writing about a period of American history that Fidler is super interested and well-read on, and yet he's got this incredibly pared down way of asking questions that never falls into that trap which is really hard to resist as an interviewer particularly with a writer who's massively impressive where you try and impress them by Mm. the extent of your knowledge Mm. and he just never does that and it's so fascinating because it's a very generous thing as an interviewer but it's also generous to the listener because you are applying all of your energies only to eliciting the most enlightening possible material from the interviewee. Totally, and yeah. It's quite, it's quite a gift. And the other thing that um, uh, the other podcast that I listened to, by the way, was um, with this woman called Lily Bailey, um, who is a, a model, and now I'm good things. Yeah. Um who's a model and a writer and a journalist, um, and she has written a book about um, growing up and living with obsessive-compulsive disorder.
0: Oh, I saw something about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: far, let's talk to her too. Yeah, it's
1: only recently published, and the podcast has only recently gone up. Um, Oh, God, I found it so affecting. It was... It starts off with this, like just once over lightly discussion of or reference to the fact that we use the term OCD in conversation all the time. Like you sort of say, oh, you know, sales you're so OCD. You look at that bookshelf, it's all, you know, you're constantly sorting through it and throwing things out or, you know, I really need to have my drawers really tidy. I'm very OCD like that. And this woman comes along and basically outlines her experience with the proper... OCD and it is just scarifying and the worst thing is that most of her recollections that she's talking about in this conversation are uh, from her childhood where as a kid you know she had this other person in her brain so the personal pronoun that she uses is we um, for this period because she had this other girl that was like her twin in her brain who was telling her things and like she had this obsessive inability to let go of ideas of, of damaging, frightening ideas and she had a compulsion to do these routines that were just exhausting and endless and like she couldn't go to sleep before she'd done you know all this carefully set out routine of Checking and double checking and patrolling the house, and then saying this lengthy prayer three times. It had to be the same time, the same every mm. three times, every one of the three times, or she had to start again. And just the thought of this kid who having to live through this stuff and having no idea that it wasn't a normal thing. Mm. And she says at one point this completely heartbreaking thing, which is that. The average time that it takes for somebody with OCD to understand that what's going on is not normal and to seek help is 13 years. <gasps> and this this woman is charming. You know, she's interesting. She's funny. She's sort of self-effacing. She's got a lovely voice. And... Her capacity to talk about this stuff very plainly but so movingly is endless. It's just um, – it's it's incredible. I found it like I cried a couple of times listening to it. Oh, wow. I it's, must listen to it. And it makes me think uh, just the way she um, reveals casually this operatic extent of this disorder and, and its effect on her life is that she talks about – later on when she was at university, the the routine that she would have to protect herself from inadvertently offending her friends. And it's this incredibly detailed process of she would, in the course of a 30 second conversation, say five things that she thought were unforgivable and that her friend would hate her for, and then she'd file them away in her brain. By keywords, and then she'd make it into a chant that would continue through the whole day, and then, yeah, wow, just
0: extraordinary. So, has she written a book about that? Yeah, yeah, she has. So, and was here for Sydney Writers' Festival, was she?
1: Um, Do You know, I don't think she was. Oh, okay. um, I don't remember her from the program, but oh, so um, it was just. But when I had a look at, um, yeah, when I had a look at her. I realised that the book had actually come out quite recently. Lily Bailey is her name. Um, Australian or? I know she's English, right? Um, but I think it was recorded quite um, quite recently. Anyway, it was it's just a um, uh, an amazing podcast. greats. Wow. Conversation.
0: I'd love to so. have a listen to that. I mean, yeah. he's, you could pretty much pull but any one of his at random and they're all yeah. fantastic, but some are, of course, more affecting than others. His, that
1: uh, the, book's, the, the book's title is Because We Are Bad, and it's um, its about her and her strange evil twin. She thought that she'd killed someone like by thinking bad things <sighs> um, as a kid. Anyway, um, but the thing that I thought about Richard Feidler is... Um, and he kind of makes this reference while she's talking about her obsession with the number three. Like she's got to do everything three times or a multiple of three times or like three squared or three cubed. Oh. You know, it's, it's really hooked into number three. And he says, as, just as a remark during this conversation, oh, you know, it's interesting because threes are really significant. Um, because, you know, if you put two points on a piece of paper you Can draw a line, but if you put a third point, then you can make anything, you know. It's mm. a really he said the third point makes for depth and volume and stuff. And he said that threes are off a really interest, a really important in comedy as well. And it made me think, God, you know, it made me recall his long career in comedy, and I would just one day love someone to take the microphone to him and talk to him about... I did do that, but mm. they've never played it. What?
0: Um, so you could buy it um, because I 100% agree. It's, Richard has this fantastic producer called Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry for my constant
1: coughing. I've got a cold. <coughs> um, it's because I injected you with polonium on my way in with that sharpened umbrella <laughs> that I jabbed you with. <laughs> you won't last very long.
0: <laughs> I'll be buried in some lead box here We he digs me up later taking a sample. Um, he, I thought exactly the same thing and I just thought for, for an end of year type thing on his show, it would be fantastic to turn the tables because he's had he's a great musician. He had a long career in comedy. He was the head of ABC comedy. He was the manager of comedy at the ABC for a while. I did not know that. He's done some, he's had a very diverse and interesting career and now he is, you know, just absolutely fantastic. No, he hosted brother, Race Around the World. That's why I bumped that's, into him at right the airport. He, he was at a 20 year reunion for Race Around the World. God damn. Um, so, which was, you know, threw up so many ama- John Safran was in that season. Yeah. Um, um, what's his name? Bentley Dean, who just yeah. got an Oscar for the Doco. He did an absolutely amazing group of people, of which, and Fidel hosted it. Anyway. Um, so, I did one with Fidler and it was basically you could get it at Christmas and you could buy it on a USB stick at the ABC shop. What? That was the only way that it was available Are you joking? and richard Richard has always been like, "I don't want to make myself the center of this I don't want to be i mean when, when have you ever read a f- profile of Fidler? Never yeah. mm. um, and so it's ne- I've always been saying to Pam his producer, you've got to put that one about Richard on, but I, to the best of my knowledge, it's never been on.
1: Okay, so this is seriously weird. I had no idea that you'd done that. It was, it and was now. the last two days I've just been thinking, like, it'd be great to like. To I'm going to say it was
0: at least six years ago, maybe longer.
1: Right, so what did he say? I mean, what was, what was, what, do you remember anything that surprised you? or? It was so long ago now that I can't
0: remember it, but I just remembered I was so dying to do it, and, but also huh. sort of intimidating because I just think, for my money, I think he's the best interviewer in the country. I think that he's extraordinary. And so you don't want to – it's just that thing of you want to bring your A game because it's Fidler. So um, I just remember feeling like I really want to do a good job of this and also feeling just intensely curious myself because I just think he's a phenomenally talented and interesting person. And so, yeah, we talked about him in the dugs and touring all around and – how he approaches doing interviews on conversations and all that sort of stuff. But I can't remember the specifics of it now. It's too okay, very well, great. No, I just
1: want to listen to that interview. But it, it's, these people are kind of starting comedy and then in somewhere else. I find it really fascinating. I,
0: I, I often think people who, not everyone, but a lot of people who are really funny or who are in comedy are also very smart because so I think it, it requires a certain level of intelligence to be good at
1: comedy. Yeah, but why then do they leave it? They're not satisfied or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that he does what he does because it's. I mean, every single one of those conversations that he has is a gift. It's just. And do you know,
0: it. I mean, I can't remember what the stat is on the number of downloads, but it is.
1: Yeah, it's massive. If they yeah. chose
0: to not do that at the ABC and to do it somewhere with advertising, I mean, you'd make an absolute
1: fortune. Do you know what? I was going. I was um, on book tour once, and. The thing that the publisher was really, really, you know, determined was like... Get you on Fidler. Right. Yeah, because
0: yeah. all the publishers say if you go on Fidler that you can see on the chart the spike for the book sales yeah. after you've gone on.
1: I remember mm-hmm. going um, to Booktopia, which is that um, independent sort of online bookshop, And um, which is a part of any kind of book tour. Now you go out there and you sign 500 copies or something. And I had a quick tour of their facility, which is really interesting. But they've got a, in real time, um, map of who's buying what where. It's fascinating. And they say that they can see, sometimes they'll see a spike where all of a sudden one book is selling like 200 copies and they're like, that's that person's on fire. <laughs> they can actually see what's going on. They're that's like, What just, is that random pe- Oh, fired love. That's just incredible. Because it's a um, it's a program that makes people not only listen but want to buy the book of the person. Want they're to know more about to. it. And see, I feel yeah. that I mean I'm totally um, orthodox in that way because I often want to read Like are you gonna read O C D Ladies' book, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Even you just describing that makes me want to listen to the podcast and get the book. Yep. So yeah,
1: very, very. And I'm going to. I mean, it doesn't work for me with George Saunders because I've already got that book, but I'm definitely going to read it after listening to, um, listening to him talking, listening to him talk to uh, Viola. It's
0: interesting as well because with some podcasts, I can be doing stuff. You know, right? I can be driving. I can be on the treadmill at the gym. I can be doing housework or whatever. Often with Richard Fidler's I can't do anything because I'm so listening so intently that whatever I'm doing I just I'll find ten minutes later I've stopped doing it and I'm just like frozen because I'm <laughs> listening so carefully to it. Um, it's so I find his podcast good for on a plane when you're actually just sort of confined yeah. to a seat, you can't really do anything else. What
1: it's worst for is if you're ever like I'm not very often like in the car at like ten thirty AM or whatever. But um, on occasions when I've been like on maternity leave or something and I have been it's the worst because, like, you switch it on and you start listening and you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to this. It's just it's some ancient sea captain from whatever or somebody who's a, an academic in a field that I have absolutely no interest in. And then I'll listen to five minutes of it and then you pull up wherever you're going. Yeah, and, and then you, you sit have out to sit the front there for another, for another 25 minutes so you can listen to the rest of this goddamn interview with someone... <laughs> In whom you previously had no interest whatsoever. The, nu- the number of
0: times I've sat in my driveway in the car just listening to something that I think, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to a thing about ants,
1: like yeah. what, I just stop, stop it. And then I just find, no, I can't <laughs> because I'm now completely hooked in. Well, I think that's enough sunshine blowing up the fibre last, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, Richard, you, you owe us one. We've been going so long and it's so past my bedtime. I know, yeah. not Okay. Thanks for the soup though. No. You're welcome. Baylish.